Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource brought to you by the Joint Public Issues Team, designed to ask the questions about politics and our preaching this week. My name is David Main. I'm a Baptist minister based in Essex, and I'm hosting this season of the podcast. Each week, I have the privilege of talking with a different guest from a different space on the ecumenical and political landscape. And today, I am delighted to introduce to you an all-round good egg, Baptist minister and faith and society team leader for the Baptist Union, Diane Watts. Diane, hello. Hello, and thank you. A great introduction on all-round good egg. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, David. <laughs> Nothing to live up to there, then. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're very pleased that you're here. Oh, it's been absolutely delightful. I just love this series. You've done, been all doing a fantastic job, really challenging. So I, I just want to thank all the people that have been involved in this because it really, I've loved them. Thank you. Oh, can I go great. now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so politics in the pulpit, is that a, a natural thing for you? Um, how do those two things tie together in your mind? Um. Well, for me, I don't see delineation at all between um, faith, action, um, who we are, um, how we talk to each other. I have to say these verses today, the, the passages today really speak into that. Um, Actually, I think all life is political. I, I have to put my hand up to, before I became a Baptist minister, I actually taught politics for a little while. So, well, quite a long while, actually. Um, and you get the macro politics, but you also get micro politics and, and teaching. Or being in any institution, actually, you get politics. Mm. So to say there's no polit politics shouldn't be in the pulpit feels a little bit of anathema. Now, I also recognise that that could be a great discussion. So I would love to be able to engage with people on that too. But I think it's really important that we are grounded in the uh, in our where, where God has placed us. And I'm excited about where God has placed us and what God has called us to. So long answer, but yes, no, go for it. <laughs> that's great. We love that. And I, I think you might be our first uh, politics teacher on the podcast oh, as well. So we're, we're very pleased to, to have you here. So from your context, then either, you know, as faith and society team leader, um, wider Baptist movement, or indeed from your previous work with with the Church Urban Fund. Um, what are, do you think are some of the key justice issues, political events that are around at the moment? What's big on your radar? Oh, wow. What's not big on my radar? Um, and I think in some ways, I want to pick some of this up in in these passages um, okay. because there are some huge, huge issues that, that, that we deal with. Um, I wonder, I don't know, I wonder over the last 18 months whether a good number of people who are listening or engaging with some of this have just gone, I can't do this. I can't read the news anymore. I want to just turn it off. It's all too much. Um, and I think that there is something around that. But the, the issues don't necessarily go away. So some of the big issues um, for me is I, um, I've been quite involved with uh, helping some of the response around people trafficking. Um, and that is often one of the unseen, unheard mm. issues. And some of the papers this weekend actually were carrying some stories around that. The asylum uh, work, all of these things interlink, by the way, that nothing's, nothing's separate. There were stories, again, um, about some of the, uh, the, the children that are being um, brought into this country at the moment and, and what's happening to them, leading, uh, the, that's a question around asylum, and then into people trafficking. So there's a lot around that. And, and none of this can be um, outside the context of our international affairs. Uh, so climate change is 
creating um, a new world, new conversations. It, COP26 next week is not a one-off. It's part of an ongoing conversation. So, and just if we look at other countries around the world, um, I, I was looking at some of the stuff around Sudan this week and the um, the pro-democracy uh, protesters saying, you know, what 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 they want and what the response has been there. So, um, and of course, Rishi Sunak this week on Wednesday. Lot, sorry, there's a lot going on, a lot going on. Um, and in, from my space within our context with faith and society, uh, we have been very involved in some of the uh, justice issues. Some of you will have been uh, hooked into the Sam Sharp lecture last week and mm. looked at some of the racial justice things. So lots of questions. None of us got answers. We're just walking this through together and going, okay, how this might, how might this look? What can we learn from each other? That's, that's the important. But what can we learn from each other? Mm. So, sorry, that was a long question, a long answer, wasn't there? No, 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 it's good. So there's, um, you mentioned, I think, two big things that kind of form perhaps the pillars of, of the politics of this week. Uh, one is the build up to COP. Um, and in many ways, perhaps the conversations that happen behind the scenes this week are going to be as significant, if not more significant than what actually happens for show uh, next week. Um, and then, of course, the budget as well. Um with all the various pressures and questions that come uh, with that as well. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting time um, in Westminster and beyond. Um, so with all of that as our context, we come to our lectionary readings for this week. Um, now, this week we're out of Job having spent some weeks in Job and where the Old Testament reading takes us into Ruth chapter one and then West, but we're still in Mark's gospel and in Hebrews for our gospel readings and New Testament readings. Where do you want to start? Well, I just thank you for uh, their great readings. Yeah, yes. Love them. Thank you. So all of them. Fantastic. So, and I really do think they talk to each other. Okay. Um, I'm going to start though with, with Ruth because um, on the back of what we've been talking about, I've got to say they are it's a gift passage right at the beginning of Ruth it starts in the first verse with a disaster um, and it, often we rush the story of Ruth because we rush to the wider story of Ruth and Boaz but I think we need to root this in context which is a disaster you know the days there was a famine in the land it was a disaster and uh, I've been um, looking at some of the pictures people in South America recently walking from, I think it's from South Mexico towards the um, the American border, the US border. But they've come from disaster areas in other parts of South America. We're seeing very similar things happen in other parts of the world. So when you're looking at COP26, you know, we are, uh, this is grounded in a disaster. The, the story of Ruth is grounded in a disaster. So, um, yeah, it's not small. This is a significant event for the people here. So, and of course, you know, there is the the, the one we haven't mentioned, obviously, is the pandemic. You know, that COVID is still raging and it's raging not just in our countries, but in, in countries of Eastern Eastern Europe too. There is, there's disaster for many people. Mm. Um, so I think context is really important in the story of Ruth. And it would be very difficult, I think, to preach from any of these passages without an acknowledgement of context and that's where your politi uh, the politics comes in yes i think ruth's quite interesting in, in that respect isn't it so it's it, i know it's a favorite of of lots of, of christians and 
in the midst of particularly sort of the Old Testament and, and war and the threats of war and treachery and trick uh, sort of trickery with brothers and sisters and genocide and reprisals and the book of Ruth can be seen or I think is often seen and preached as sort of an island of tranquility um, yeah. in the midst of all that but actually I don't think it felt like that to the people in the book of Ruth at all and and as you say we often skip most of chapter one and we go straight to the bit where yeah. Ruth says you know I'll come with you um, but all that goes before that is devastating yeah. And it's so easy to miss that. And this isn't light relief from the other bits of the Old Testament. Uh, far from it, actually, in all sorts of ways. No, absolutely. And I think I think that's the whole thing with it goes straight from that disaster to naming the reality. And what, what mm. happens in Ruth is that it names people. Those first, what is it, first five verses of the book of Ruth um, names people who are actually central in the story obviously uh, uh, Ruth and Naomi are mentioned here, but there are others as well. And, and, and they're mentioned more than once. They're named more than once. And I think that very often, when I said earlier about we often switch off the news, we can't cope with it. Um, and I think that I've certainly done that, I'm absolutely honest. But, but in those stories, there are people to be named. And isn't that beautiful that that's what God does? Mm. So, you know, Elimelech, Marlon, Chilion, Naomi, Ruth, Orpah, they're named. How often do we name people in that um, in the context where where we're preaching from? So, mm. and actually, naming somebody is really really powerful thing to do. Um, yeah, I, I think we are named. You know, what is our promise as Christians that God knows our name, and and how how important is the names of God throughout the Bible, and in this story of Ruth these people are named so you know in the wider context there is also our story known so wherever the context people are uh, facing as we're preaching on this this week God knows their story too just as he knew the story of Marlon or Chilean or Elimelech and uh, you know all of those we, all of those who are caught in the disasters of climate change named all of those who um, will be caught up in the implications following the, the budget this week, perhaps, are named. Mm. So I think that the Book of Ruth is a story of naming people in the midst of disaster, really. Um, and it also, you see, it, sorry, I, I will shut up in a minute. That's but it also good. names, doesn't it? Because it goes on, you know, he, Ruth is in the, the lineage of David and then obviously Jesus. This isn't just a, you know, just a mm. story. This is, this is important. But again, naming. And you look at the Gospels, all those people are named. I think this is an absolute gift for people mm. just to know that they're named. And how might we do that this week? How could we name people? And, and I think in a way as well that and picking up on some threads in the gospel reading, maybe there's something here, I think, about how um, we know that the people's stories, the people's names, there's something sort of more personal perhaps about ruth ruth the book of ruth but there there are no religious trappings none of the obvious symbols buildings markers there's no ceremony all of that stuff we've got these conversations of jesus going back and forth through mark's gospel with the scribes in the temple and and you have none of that here and mm. yet there is so much um that's important in here despite none of the religious trappings um, which I think goes to the heart of the conversation Jesus is having with the scribes as well in, in Mark's gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, I think that's a very powerful witness, isn't it? Mm. 
one of the pieces of work I have I've done more actually in the past than I'm currently doing um, is around homelessness and um, the the all those trappings have been stripped away from people. You talk about temple and, and um, all, all the organizational stuff. It, that's all been shaken. The, the institutions haven't helped hold people. And often they find themselves in places of homelessness. Mm. Um, now, actually, I, I, we are in very, very complex. And I recognize all of those with the issues of homelessness. But again, I'm going to go back to that naming of somebody. You know, as I, I will walk through the streets and, and people um, you, are, are sitting beside the road, which is a, a, a an everyday occurrence for me where I live. Um, I, it's their name, but it's also sharing my name with them too. And I think that is what really the, the gospel reading talks about. That love um, it is absolutely fundamental to some of that, isn't it? It just sums everything up, you know, because love names us, doesn't it? Mm. What is, what, that's exactly what Jesus is doing, I think, in in Mark 12, that, that sense of love, understanding that, you know, it's, it's what's natural. It's, the, it's what it means to be um, made in the image of God. Mm. There are two other things that strike me particularly about this reading, and I don't know what you, you make of them. Um, the first is that I think, perhaps unsurprisingly, and we've touched on it a bit already, um, about how God, through this story, sort of, there's a lot to be said about how people behave towards those from other tribes, those yeah. outside their tribe, people who are different to them. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's something going on throughout the Book of Ruth that involves legitimizing and extolling an inclusive attitude towards those who are other. Um, in that sense, I think there's a, a challenge here, a continual challenge to us as God's people, um, a challenge to our tendency towards a narrow exclusivism, um, which I just think comes through this. Story. I mean, these are Moab and, and these, these are not friendly places historically. And not at all. Uh, it would have been dangerous for everybody in this story, particularly um, as uh, women and to be foreign born women uh, for Ruth, a foreign born woman being in the land would have been uh, to be at quite considerable risk here as well and I think there's a whole a lot here about um it's obviously strong female role models here in this story um but I think in a in a culture where um they often uh, Ruth and Naomi wouldn't have been expected to be in control um they create a future for themselves here in this patriarchal environment that I think um, there's something rather wonderfully courageous about the decision that they make because it's not without danger and risk no i think absolutely right um i think leaving israel in the first place to go to moab mm. would have been interesting that, that their sons marrying people from moab so already there's been a whole shaking up of what would have been seen as acceptable and then of course you know disaster again strikes the, the, mm. the disaster of famine initially and then the disaster of death for the three men and and two women left together or well, three women originally won't want to lose Orpah in this story mm. but um but um women left to their own devices in many ways um and they are essentially homeless at this point you know i've just talked about homelessness mm. 
Naomi and Ruth are homeless and they're on the move. You know, we, we're talking a little bit, I think you may have mentioned about the asylum, the, the bill around asylum seekers um, going through Parliament at the moment. You know, that all of that is, it's just a reality of, of life. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure Naomi would have been much fun to be around. Um, yeah. She seems not to be a very happy understandably not happy i mean she arrives at bethlehem and, and wants to change her name it's not it's not great is it mm. i mean i know i'm pushing on so that's it'll be for next week but um i think um that that sense of strength of um yeah this just strength of character which chooses to continue to walk in a situation where she, where it would have been so easy for ruth to go home it would have been incredibly easy, a much safer plan. We don't know Ruth's background, but you, you do see a very, very different space and a, a, a woman choosing a harder path. And I think that that can really ask questions for us as the church. Um, which Do we choose the harder path? Do we choose the, the easy path through? Um, and that's... A, but it is, you're right. It, it's all done within a context of patriarchy, where the women are going, no, this is, this is how it's going to be. Um, yeah. Even yeah. within that, I love it. In verse eight, I think it is, where um, Naomi says to her two daughters, go back to your mother's home. Yeah. Again, that's yeah, not what you would expect yeah. someone to say. It's, it's quite subtle and easy to miss in a way, but actually no. there's so much in here yeah. um, uh, in terms of challenging some of those patriarchal assumptions. Um, no, I think that's a really, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think we lose some of that because we don't always understand the contexts, don't do we? But you're you're right, um, and and it's it's that stripping away that makes this story, the whole story of Ruth, so incredibly powerful. Of what happens next, mm. it is a, it is a, a story from complete powerlessness. Well, is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it the story of complete powerlessness from uh, yes from the world's eyes but not from other eyes and that's why that mark passage is such an important one mm. because i think it is that um counter cultural story our faith is a countercultural faith I, I i'm i feel quite strongly about that because i'm not sure that if it's not what are we doing mm. um and we're running it in the story of Ruth and, and the story of Naomi. It's countercultural. In the story of what Jesus talks about in Mark, it's countercultural. It's powerfully countercultural. It's revolutionary countercultural. So um, I think there's, I think it's, yeah, it's exciting in that sense. But, well, let's um, let's drift on to the Mark passage then. I'm just going to adjust my camera on. Bit fuzzy. I think that's better. There we go. Um, so we're in Mark's gospel again, and we're in Mark 12 now, um, and verses 28 to 34. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's lots of links here with the Ruth reading. I think they're this quite some weeks you think no idea how these speak to each other, but these these speak to each other so well. Um, and one of the things I think is really interesting about this passage is we kind of coming in at verse 28 and um, you know actually there's already quite a lot of, the a debate is already in progress this we're joining some uh, a conversation midway through here um it's almost sort of the climax to the debates in the temple really 
Um, but it, it's not entirely hostile in comparison to the rest of the conversations Jesus has in the temple. The dynamic feels a bit different here to me. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've picked this up. It's not um, entirely hostile. There, there's a, it feels a bit more of there's cut and thrust here. It feels like there's acknowledgement of good arguments and that's just slightly different to some yeah. of the other encounters. Well, they're disputing with one another, aren't they? I mean, you, you said it is, it is, it is, has politics got a place in the chair? Well, yes, of course, <laughs> because that's we, we discuss, we we talk, I, we learn. The, the church is about a place where we, where we come together and we learn and we open and listen and I will learn from you and other and many, many others. Often um, people sometimes who we don't always expect to learn from, which is really important that we're carefully listening. I love that disputing is a bit of an interesting word. Yes. I really hope they're not shouting from their own corner because sometimes <laughs> uh, does disputing mean listening? Um, in our House of Parliament today, are we are they listening or or are they facing and disputing? Um, or often a, it's an interesting interesting word. How do we um, do life well in the community of faith around mm. that that dispute? Because this is the community of faith disputing with each other. So how do we do that really well? And again, I think this is when Jesus just almost stops them in their tracks and and just turns it around incredibly powerfully. This is my this is that what I'm seeing as revolutionary. Um and that's that's what we what who we are, you know, that this is throwing it up in a completely different way. And I love that I just love this passage. It's meant so much over the last few months to me. And then when I read it that this was going to be part of it, I go, Oh yes, this is very exciting. So <laughs> It just seems to sum so much up, doesn't it? It really does. And then in response to these questions, then, which is the most important, Jesus brings together um, both uh, the love of God, say from Deuteronomy 6, but then couples it with the love of neighbour, which we find in Leviticus 19. So these two separate commands coming together, there's there's no love of God except in love of the other or another. Mm. Um, I think that's I think it's easy to miss as Christians. I don't know. Certainly, I think it's easy for me to miss. Actually, these two things didn't automatically come together before Jesus put them together for them. Yeah. And they were two separate schools of thought, ways of thinking. Um, perhaps even you would have had sort of two streams of community, one that would have focused more on one and one that would have focused more on the other. But actually, here's Jesus saying these two things are crucial yeah. and and sort of flip sides of a, the same coin and, and I think actually what's interesting is is the word neighbor here and I, I don't know obviously the meaning will have been uh, have changed over time um, what we see as neighbor and what the would have been heard to be a neighbor uh, to those listening at the time it would just be really interesting to I'd love to chat with with um, some people some of the scribes around that mm. um, but it's that sense of neighbor and sometimes it's about making sure that we aren't doing to people but with people um, and the church has been fantastic at responding to need and um, and listening and being part of some of the really difficult places of our world today um, but I think the most powerful comes out of that being with maybe because it comes out of love that God has first for us therefore we are um, 
that we are the same as we are partnered with. So when I walk down the, the road and um, I see somebody who doesn't have a home to live in or for whom life is really tough, uh, do I see that as that, that level of equality in, in God's eyes? To love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Um, that's a biggie. That's a real biggie. Because sometimes there are times when we can be very, um, well, we may have our, our base, our, our, our foundation shaken a little bit by our, our own self-image. You know, we, we're not always very kind to ourselves. But you know how much God mm. loves us? Just a, and I think there's something about in the Ruth story that we can pick that up. That okay. power of what Ruth um, was doing in walking that journey with Naomi, saying, oh, no, I'm going to go wherever you go. I will, I will, I'll do the, the uh, your Lord will be my Lord. Your God will be my God. That's incredibly powerful and very, very um, confident. And I wonder whether loving our neighbor from that space, even mm. when Naomi was really miserable, might be yeah. easier. Does that, does yeah. that make some sense? Yes, yeah, really interesting. I, I do think this is a real challenge when, um, We'll have that you know as when you love your neighbor as yourself because i often find, i don't know how you find this preaching it you almost have two very different groups of people in the room and and often i'm not sure people need to be told that they're messed up i, I think people realize they're messed up and in fact if anything being told that they're loved is far more important um and so i think this because i think a lot of people aren't very good at loving themselves in this in this way and i think it, it, it finding another way of processing that I think is really important because otherwise the temp temptation is to be really simplistic with and say, well, I don't like myself very much. You know, we, well, in which case, what's my reference point for how I've got to be towards other people? Um, which I think is quite interesting. Um, what do you make of verse 34? Um, this is towards the end here. It says, Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely and he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I think this is the, perhaps the most interesting, yeah, really interesting bit in this passage. Um, the, he's almost there, but not quite. I mean, what, what what do you make of that? What do you what do you think the not quite is here? Well, I think it goes back a little bit to what um, you see when you see Jesus standing in the synagogue um, right at the beginning of his ministry and talking about uh, how he, we treat others. You know, that um, I have come that the blind might see and, uh, and, and the kingdom of God is at hand. And it's that um, this is what is. This is the, rea the reality. We, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. And there's something about that here. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and this is why I think the Hebrews passage is actually really important. Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping, no, aren't I? No, that's but, good. But that that's Hebrews what? passage seems to sort of fill in the gap. No, there's no gap. But, you know, that it fills in some of the, the context of that, um, you know, that because it points us beyond our limitations to the one who is. And um, it almost feels like in that, you know, that you're not far from the kingdom of God. Well, you are striving in your limitations, but in the kingdom of God, nothing limits us. It takes us to, to Jesus. And I think that that's incredibly powerful space. You know, where we take our eyes off our inabilities to live well to Jesus, who is all in all, the great high priest. And, and so I think that there's something around that. It's about a letting go and and about allowing, you know, that sense of the high priest. I, th I think Ruth gets it a bit. 
you know, your God shall be my God. May the Lord do thus to me, she says. And, and I think we see that here, you know, in Hebrews. This is the high priest. You know, Christ doesn't exist in a, I don't know, some sort of fairy tale where we don't have to think about our difficulties and I don't have to look at the news and all the rest of it, face the nasties. This is Christ a dwelling in the difficulties, in the famine, in the, the sadness, the, the horror mm. of death. And then, and, and talking about love, the mm. great high priest talking about love. I mean, how exciting is that? What a message. What, <laughs> how, you know, this is, what, this is what we're about, isn't it? This is why we get up to preach each week, because of that is the promise. Otherwise, it would just be a, you know, you might feel better if you do this sort of thing. And this is the, the great high priest, the one who is named as the high priest. And it's wonderful to have uh, somebody, uh, to have the Hebrews passage brought in as an integral part of our conversation. I have to confess, the last couple of weeks, we've not been, I've not been very good at that. And sort of we've been, well, I'm not really sure what we'll do with Hebrews at the end. So it's really good to to draw that link more explicitly today. So thank you. Um, I wondered whether there's something in that verse 34 about um, just how sort of orthodoxy and getting the questions right isn't enough. That there is something here about justice for our neighbour. Um, you can't do that while being part of the system. And the scribes were part of the system that involved exploiting people and, and the like. And you know, you know the right answers. It, as actually so many encounters we read in the Gospels, you know, you know the right answers, but now you need to go and do it. I just wonder whether, for me, that's what I was pondering with that. But uh, I prefer your answer. Um, no, no I, I, I like that. I think that... The, that that idea of of getting the right answers. Mm. I, I know I've talked a lot about homelessness today, um, and, but that and I think it's the same for so many other the other issues. You know, what is the right thing to do here? You know, we'll we'll see it with. Mm. Um, I think there'll be a lot of conversation on after the budget on Wednesday. Huge amounts of conversation around the COP and and the other thing. Mm. What what tell us what to do? You know, how do we do this well? What what can we do with that? And I think, again, it's that sense of, okay, well, actually, sometimes we won't get the right answer. Um, you know, maybe we'll get the question wrong. Mm. Do you know, I think it's okay to get the question wrong. If at some stage I sit down on the street beside somebody and just say, tell me your name. My name's Diane. What's yours? And I know I will get things wrong. You know, it's that, um, it's the the grace that we see in Jesus who names things in truth. And I think those two things together, the grace and the truth sitting side by side is what we see in the high priest because it's, it's in him, which means that, I don't know, well, my questions probably need to be much simpler. What's your name? Mm. I like that. And as you say that, understanding our limitations and our need for that grace and that truth is such an integral part of that isn't it um mm. i can't fix everything i can't get everything right um but actually not trying because i'm not going to get everything right is is not the appropriate response but actually i can sit down and say you know tell me your name what's your story um and then again through relationship change occurs in us and God willing, around us too, which is yeah. which is the story of Ruth and Naomi, isn't it? That change yeah. occurs through relationship. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, and so. it's, it's a long journey. It's a long, hard journey. There's no quick fixes. It's like um, I, you know, the, the, when you're looking at something like COVID, you, the, the hope has been through um, the vaccination. Um, and we were hoping that by, you know, get everybody vaccinated and we'll, we'll all be back for Christmas. Um, but, you know, it's not always looking like that. And it's certainly in some parts of the world, it's not looking like that. There are big, there are big questions still being asked. Um, so I, I think there's a whole range of this long journey and not saying, right, give me the quick fix. And that's why that Hebrews passage is so important, because we look beyond ourselves. It, we have to go beyond ourselves because otherwise we'll be just incredibly disappointed. Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your, with all your mind. Um, it's a biggie. It's a real biggie. Amen. Um, what, are there, is there anything else on any of the passages that you particularly want to uh, put before us as we drift towards a conclusion? Um, I think we've, we've covered quite a lot of it. No, I, th okay. I think I think that sense of mutuality, um, and I just love the idea that that we will be together, um, reflecting. So many reflecting on these verses this week, and um, there's a dynamic I think that comes through these three passages, mm -hmm. which changes stuff, and changes who we are, and changes the context in which we are. So my prayer, I think, is just being able to get a sense, a, a, I don't know, picture a whiff of that dynamic this week and and hear as it's as some of these stories are being considered and um and god leads and we just let it go as to for his word to be done his will to be done so i'm excited i want yeah. to see what happens looking forward <laughs> to hearing people's hearing what people do with this uh, uh, um this week absolutely well thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing some of your uh, reflections with us and uh thank you everybody else as well for joining us uh this week we're always pleased to have you with us and do let us know what you do with these passages this week we'd love to know uh you can get in touch with us uh via uh, politics in the pulpit uh on twitter uh, and uh, let us know what you're doing with these readings this week and if there's any other connections that you are drawing um, but we'll be back at same time next week when the lectionary will move us on to some different passages then. But we go into uh, the week ahead with our blessing for this season. So may the blessing of the God of peace and justice be with us. May the blessing of the son who weeps the tears of the world's suffering be with us. May the blessing of the spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now and into eternity. Amen. Amen.